Whoa, is that for us? Look out. <laughs> wow, we got a big crowd in here this evening. Feels good. Feel that? the love. Holy. <laughs> anyway, <Thanks for> well, <laughs> welcome to planttherapy.live. Uh, too funny. We just figured we'd uh, come in with a nice round of applause. Um, back with you once again for another week. My name is Ray. And I'm Pache. And uh, we're back for some more great conversation. Um, just wanted to make a few, I guess, quick announcements. So we've had a pretty good week on uh, on the back end. Uh, we're now on Spotify and iHeartRadio. Woohoo! Yeah. Yeah, so we've been uh, approved on those ends. So we're now hosted uh, on those sites. So that's been an accomplishment. So we're kind of happy about that. Um, you can find the links to our uh, Spotify and iHeartRadio channels on planttherapy.live. Uh, and now you can listen directly from the website uh, for audio only. So uh, that's absolutely fantastic. And we do this live every week. You know, and thanks to everybody who's listening. Yeah. And, you know, I love that doing it live. Right. You know, we, we just talked about that the other day. Um, you know, we do get together and kind of talk about the topics that we're going to uh, hit each week when we get together. But for the most part, uh, we hit the play button and go. Uh, and it is what it is. First take. Right. And uh, we live stream uh, on Twitch and we live stream on YouTube now as well. So we've got kind of full exposure. Um, you know, and, uh, if anybody wants to listen in real time, you know, what you hear is what you get on the recordings. Um, and we talk about all kinds of products and our experiences with them. And we're not sponsored in any way by, uh, any company. We always keep it real, uh, at planttherapy.live. So just wanted to hit some of those points coming into today's week. Pache, how are you? I'm doing really well, man. Really well. Um, the summer is moving along and, um, I think... My wife's got um, a week's vacation coming up next week, so uh, we're really excited to just sort of decompress and enjoy uh, enjoy life and unplug. Absolutely. So the real question is, will you be here next Sunday for the for the show? Oh, yeah, man, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So that's perfect. Well, I hope you guys have a fantastic vacation. Um, so last week we were talking about uh, a little battle you were having with you know, quote unquote, some aphids, you know, and I didn't quite catch it during the show. It was only afterwards when I listened to the recording, uh, I realized that we had kind of got our messages crossed a little bit there. So I did want to kind of bring that up uh, as one of our first topics. And again, doing this live, um, sometimes we do get uh, miscommunications that take place. So um, we we came to find out that uh, you're actually having a, a, an issue with um, fungus gnats. Yes, that's right. So upon closer look, um, you and I worked it out. We looked at some pictures of um, different pests, common pests, and it turns out that it it matches the fungus gnats. Um, so, but you know, I was having a real uh, issue with them. There was a lot of them. Um, you know, I was using up a lot of pest strips more than ever before, and um, but now I uh, I noticed. I noticed a dip after I started using the uh, diatomaceous earth and then there was a little bit of a resurgence. So maybe that was some eggs that uh, had hatched and came up and it was like a new wave. But um, we're now getting close to a week since I've added it. And yeah, I'm, not I'm, I'm noticing a significant improvement uh, with my pest situation. I'm also making sure to keep the environment of the tent really clean. So I've got a little uh, vacuum in there and whenever there's... Uh, soil or if I see any anything that shouldn't be there I vacuum it right up and keep the environment as clean as possible awesome okay so um, you know that's why when we were kind of talking about aphids I was talking about spraying them off with water <laughs> um, which is a different treatment but we'll get into uh, that a little bit later on um, but I do want to throw that out there. Another thing I noticed too, in one of the previous ones is that, uh, when you had asked me, um, uh, you know, what did DWC stand for? For some silly reason, I said to you, it stood for direct water culture, but in fact, it's deep water culture, uh, as I am aware, but, um, uh, you broke my trust. You know, upon listening to it, I, I had to pause it and go back and say, what did I just say? That's just absolutely silly. You mean so, you're not perfect? You are a flawed human being? <laughs> well, How so dare I, you? 
for any critics that may be listening uh, before you get on the website and start messaging us to tell us you know we get it uh corrected so uh i did want to follow up with you as well pache on your cure uh i know that's been uh, you've you've got some going along any changes happening this week well, uh, I've just been keeping an eye on, so I've got little hygrometers in each of my jars, in each of my glass mason jars, and so they monitor the temperature and the humidity, and so they're all within uh, acceptable range. I keep everything in a, a dark, cool environment, and <clears throat> so now, you know, the burping process has been completed. Um, now that they're good to go, they can just sit there um, for a few months if necessary, that's fine, um, but... I still like to go in every few weeks, so I've noticed, and uh, and I just like to open them up and, and smell them, and I, I just, it's one, it's it's to make sure that I'm not going to catch any ammonia smell or anything that's unpleasant, um, and I also just love the smell, it's it's so full and sweet, and I, uh, I feel better like afterwards when I when I smell all the jars and I don't know I just I notice myself and I catch myself smiling um and it just I don't know I I like to do it and it's I I feel like it's a it's a good healthy habit (laughs) yeah so I'm sharing kind of I'm a few weeks behind you but I'm sharing some of the same feelings uh my last harvest date was July 11th and uh so I really haven't touched um much of what I have in, in, in jars and it's getting close to a month now and it's really starting to yeah that, you know, after that it, month it really starts yeah. to pick up those uh, what's it uh, not the cannabinoids but flavonoids flavonoids and terpenes yeah and the chirps mm. absolutely um, we'll get but, into more of that but yeah but I will tell you the um, the uh, mint chocolate chip that I have that's mm-hmm. one of the one of the strains that, that I'm growing it's the first time I've had a chance to try that wow um you Is know it good? wow oh wow it's probably you know and I say this I say this hesitantly but but somewhat uh confidently <clears throat> you know that it's probably one of the best indoor ones that uh I've Ooh, grown myself. really yeah it's um you know yeah, so. I love how we get to pick and choose the strains that we want to try and sample and enjoy as opposed to the old days. Hey, bud, what you got? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this stuff, I didn't have a lot of it, but, <laughs> you know, uh, maybe we'll we'll get some time on, on a future episode to, to break down our specific phenos of White Widow that we're currently growing. Um, and, uh, and the mint chocolate chip and some other ones that, uh, you've picked up that I seen you sent me some pictures of some more, uh, seeds that you're looking at, but we'll get into that, uh, in, in a little bit. Um, but I had a chance to, um, get with my plants over the last couple of days and I'm starting week How's four. your mildew? Um, mildew, you know, it's, it's at bay is, is what I'll say, uh, I've really noticed it, you know, not spreading and and getting less and less, but just by using the pH, the high pH water. So mm-hmm. I continue, I continued with that today. Um, so I'm, I'm going to continue to do that over the next coming weeks. So uh, I did pick up some neem oil, but I'm not going to use that until um, I get with the next... Uh, you know the the next replacement ones because um my plants are already in flowering and uh, i'm not going to use it uh on them yeah so but we do have a lot to cover this week um you know we were going to get into uh soilless mixtures and and a little bit about soil uh as when we were talking there we kind of come to find out there's lots of differences there um we're going to talk about some hydroponic systems uh and hopefully if we have time we'll get into some pests it's a thick it's a thick episode let me tell you uh as i was getting some talking points together for all of the things that we're going to try to hit um it's much larger than the first two episodes that we've done so i think we should you know, be efficient and kind of get right into some of the, um, some of the topics here now. Um, so soilless mixture, that's currently what uh, you're growing in Pache. Yes. 
you, you <clears throat> so went I've with. got a, a mixture of um, Fox Firm Ocean Forest brand and this other combination. It's a like a sun grow, mostly peat moss and perlite um, stuff that's really great for drainage, which I find the um, Ocean Forest isn't that great for for uh, so, drainage well here's the thing all of this stuff no matter if it's ocean forums or, or, or firms or vpw 30 or you know sun mix you know a lot of this stuff is all made with the same ingredients right and they all use the same ingredients because it's the perfect recipe for cannabis roots right right um what they're looking for is 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 a base of those organic components right like mm -hmm. sometimes sometimes they use wood chip and peat and uh, cocoa core um, perlite and vermiculite uh, and then sometimes like the the uh, fox farms and other manufacturers they'll go in and they'll add um, worm castings and backwano and all kinds of other kinds of meals uh, and stuff and they'll add uh, you know add fertilizer to this mix but really what's happening here is you have a mix that when you take it in your hands and you compress it and hold it together mm -hmm. it'll hold it'll hold its shape and that's what you want but as soon as you touch it it'll kind of crumble and fall apart and that's the perfect consistency for a cannabis root to kind of grow as efficiently as possible without any resistance right right uh, and the components of this stuff hold moisture and hold your nutrient solution the vermiculite and the perlite they're like little sponges so as you you know uh water and and, and nutriate your plants these things you know swell up and suck in that stuff and provide it you know to the soil moving forward for the next couple of days right so this stuff is like you know completely designed for for growing plants absolutely um, and with this stuff i also added because um vermiculite like you said Vermiculite and perlite um, are very, very similar in a sense, very similar sponges, if you will. And uh, but the vermiculite tends to release um, silica, and which the uh, the plants really enjoy and it makes them grow up big and strong. Um, so I've added seventy five grams of uh, of vermiculite into each of my one gallon pots in with this um, ocean forest and sun grow uh, mix. So I've got a real mix of stuff in there. Um, and I've also added a little bit of lime because I do know from my first two grows that the ocean forest tends to run a little hot. And, uh, and so that means it's, well, actually not necessarily hot, sorry, although it does do that. Um, but it's, it drops the soil pH down and, mm -hmm. you know, it, it changes what the plant absorbs or is able to absorb. So I, I threw the lime in there just to help raise that pH level and, uh, and get, everything into the right zone right um you know one point i wanted to make ab about you know um this fox farm stuff and any other type of of um soilless mixture that has nutrients added to it right the, the nutrients that are available usually run out after about 20 or 30 days um but usually a lot of the time you get to the point after a month that you're going to transplant anyway. So if you're going to transplant in, into a bigger pot and use the, the exact same mix, that's going to buy you some more time too, right? Because you're so, adding more of the uh, soilless mixture to the next bigger pot. So in theory, I wouldn't necessarily need to be using as much uh, fertilizer because I use the synthetic fertilizer. Um, and so in theory... I shouldn't even really need to until like let's say week three uh, well, of my transplant. It, yeah, if you're gonna, it, you know, if you're gonna buy stuff that has nutrients in it, then yes. And if or if you're gonna buy stuff and amend it with bone, bone meal and blood meal and back guano and stuff like that, which you can do on your own as well to richen it up. All of that stuff is organic, right? Mm -hmm. um, it, it, you know, it's all organic really until the moment you choose to put a chemical fertilizer you know, into it at, at that point, it, it's not organic anymore, but all of the components that, that we're kind of talking about are, are all organic, but there is miracle Grow, and people do use miracle Grow, although it has a tendency to burn your plants a little bit in the beginning if you're not very careful. That's but, what I heard. Uh, yeah, but miracle Grow is chemical fertilizer. So their, you know, their soilless mixture is is not organic. It's it's chemical fertilizer. But and would you works. say that's hot? It's or very yeah. as hot. 
Yeah, it, it would be absolutely. Okay. Um, you know, you would have to be very careful. Um, a lot of people get their plants get burnt in the beginning, but but if they can get through that, then you know it, it'll work for the for the next little while as well. So I've seen people have success with that, and I've seen people not have success with it um, as well. But uh, you know, and then you know it com comes to the to the topic here as well well what's soil right but you know soil is um you know basically sand and and clay um silt and, and organic matter and that stuff there you know people can, can go outside and dig a hole and, and and plant a cannabis plant in the hole um but the roots don't grow very well because there's too much resistance in that material right um so that's generally why you have to dig a deep hole and fill it with really good soil soil you can't just plant the cannabis plant into the into the ground they just won't grow they'll survive they won't they won't yield anything you know worth anything but they will survive but you're just not giving it the you know the best possible um chance for success as as possible so i just wanted to hit um a, a few of those um those those points um so this stuff is very popular right and most home growers this is what they're using um what led you to kind of choose this stuff i'm, I'm um, curious well, to know uh, well a year ago i knew zero zilch nothing um and a year later i know slightly more than that um so the people, you know, just monkey see, monkey do. I saw mm -hmm. the people online and the uh, the videos online on YouTube, and they were, a lot of them, were using things like um, Happy Frog and Ocean Forest. Um, so Fox Farm was a name that was kept coming up in a lot of videos involving successful grows. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, <clears throat> for my first time, I I want to reduce the amount of... Um, variables that are going to pull me down so I'll, I'll put the money into the the Fox firm um, but the grow shop that I went to had recommended this massive bale of, of uh, <laughs> peat moss and and uh, yes. other stuff let me pause you there for a second so I'll be on that the, for a year <laughs> you know the, those big cubes uh, I, I used to buy tons and tons and tons of those cubes so here locally in cape breton that's called vpw30 okay uh, and it's v i think is for vermiculite p is for perlite uh and w is for wetting agent and it's got peat moss in it and it's like a mix of 30 30 30 so they call it here vpw30 so it's just it's just the soilless mixture uh it's not any nutrients so we used to purchase that stuff and then we would get um bone meal and blood meal um back guano worm casting stuff like that and we would mix it all together uh, and uh, we had great, great success for the first uh, month, you know, uh, uh, of a plant. It just takes away the worry. You don't have to really worry about anything. It's, it becomes quite self-sufficient for the first month. But like I said on, on a previous episode, and I'll continue to say, you have to have a plan ready after 30 days when this stuff starts to run out, whether you're going to re-amend the, the top of the soil with some of these, you know, mm -hmm. components again to, to, to put more nutrients in the soil or whether you're going to plant into another pot or um, start, you know, giving it nutrients. Either way, you got to have a plan because there's nothing worse than having a oh. really first su great successful month. The very first month is perfect, and then all of yep. a sudden you hit the wall and uh, things start to fall apart, right? And that's what we're all trying to do. All of a sudden they avoid. start turning light green and yellow and it, it, calcium it, deficiency start to appear. and Exactly. That's what happened with me, my first grow, man, and it sucked, and it set me back a month and a half. You know, and so it, it goes to say, so if you're somebody that's growing already and you're listening, you're probably already using this stuff if you're growing in soil or soilless mixture. Um, if you're thinking about growing, this is the stuff you want to look at. So whether or not you want to go buy the Fox Farm stuff, which has everything pre-made, or whether you want to get into something like a cube of VPW30 and start adding some things to it yourself, the, the choice is totally yours. But either way, if you're if you're going to be growing uh, at home, you know, your four plants, this is the stuff you're going to want to look at. Uh, and it's pretty much available everywhere. Um, Pache, you're in the Halifax Regional 
municipality area? I am indeed. Okay, that's one thing we kind of never talked about. Uh, you know, we are both doing this from remote locations. Uh, I, I'm in Cape Breton, um, you know, so that's fantastic. At least we know in those two areas that we have these uh, products readily available. I'm sure that goes for other areas in Nova Scotia as well and definitely uh, on, uh, in North America in general. These are very popular products. Um, you know, I see them everywhere I go when when uh, garden season hits and all the grocery stores open up their garden centers and um, Walmart kind of gets theirs opened up right these are the types of things that the that they um, that they sell on a regular basis so um, more to come on some of this stuff as we move through but I did want to talk a little bit about some uh, some hydroponic systems right um, generally they can be more finicky right so if if you're somebody that's uh, that hasn't grown any plants yet um, you know chances are you're going to want to get into a soilless mixture like we just discussed um, first to kind of go through a lot of the processes and learn how the plant grows and um, you know get into a routine and stuff before you you move into a, a more finny, finny excuse me finicky system um, with with hydroponics um, you know you generally have to keep uh, maintain a, quite a steady pH uh, and if you don't have the right tools and the right uh, equipment uh, and main you know monitoring it all the time you can start to have problems um, but gen generally with uh, with hydroponics um, there's a couple of different types of systems one of the easiest ones to, to use is the one that I grow in which is deep water culture uh, or DWC um, you've seen some of the pictures I've kind of sent you, Pache. That I have. Uh, yeah, it shows the black buckets with the net pots. Um, so you know, and I we'll add some photos to the uh, to our Facebook page. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't think we ever talked about our Facebook page here. I thought I'd slip it in there. Absolutely. Do you know? Do you know how to get there on Facebook? Because I don't. Plant therapy. That's it. Just go to the search and type in plant therapy. Sounds easy. It does. <laughs> Even the old so, folks can do it. So yeah, so I have net I pots. I consider myself one of the old folks. <laughs> I have net pots that are filled with uh, um, hydrogen. It's the, those expanded clay pellets. And most hydroponic systems use something um, like that, right? So... Um, the big difference here is the the you know w when my roots grow my my roots grow through the net pot and down into a bucket of water and that water is a bubbling nutrient solution which contains nutrients and, and pH balanced water uh, and a couple of air stones which aerate the nutrient solution so the roots can grow directly into the water um, you know so one of the benefits of that system is um, is my plants can kind of drink whenever they want they don't have to wait for a feeding schedule they don't have to be you know really wet today and dry tomorrow and then wait for water on the next day they kind of just what they want they just you know drink it or eat it and what's interesting pache that you'll kind of want to hear is if you monitor the ph and the ppms uh, of your nutrient solution frequently you'll see what the plant is drinking or eating Right. And the PPMs, the parts per million, not just how much the plant's eating. Well, basically, so you may give them a nutrient solution of 800 PPM and uh, fill up the buckets. And then you go back two days later and you, you, you test the remaining water and come to find out that there's zero PPM in it or 100 PPM. That, that tells me that I didn't give enough nutrient solution on the last feeding. So yeah. that, eight, that 800 should have been maybe 900 or 1,000 right and so, so what monitor, would you have expected to have seen but hang on sometimes the the reverse is true sometimes i'll go back a couple of days later and i'll test the water and i'll see that there's 2000 or 2100 ppm of solution so that tells me the plant was really thirsty you know and it and it drank the water but it left a kind of nutrient solution behind which raised the ppm right so there's whole science there's a whole science involved in looking at that data and finding a balance so you can kind of on the next run and the run after that and the run after that you can kind of have the exact recipe for exactly what your plant is going to need at exactly that time and you know i look forward to i have a feeling that um 
I'm going to get there and I'm going to want to get to that type of a system. Um, I, I feel like that is sort of, you graduate to that level, I feel like. Um, and right now I, I need to sort of understand the, the basics of the plant and recognize what's going on with the plant and understand the environment, how that works. And then once I do that, then I'll move on to like cocoa core and then on to like um, hydroponics. Well, it, it, it's it's important to note here, you know, um, my method uh, of choice is soilless mixture. Um, you know, I just want to make that known, Pache. It's, uh, I, I didn't move into DWC this time around because, um, you know, because I wanted to. Because it, it's really, your preferred? It, 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 it's really not my preferred. It was just the system that I that that best suited the situation you were in my my current situation exactly I I don't have the ability to water the plants every couple of days right so DWC seemed like the the right solution and it's been working for me so you know um, I just want to make that known though um, so in other words you knew that you couldn't spend every day working on the plants so that made like a soil soilless mixture option sort of out. Right, and you needed to basically have something that was able to run on its own for quite a number of days, and you just it could monitor it. Right, it, exactly, which okay. led me to that. But I just want our listeners to know that my preferred method of growing is in a soilless mixture. Um, that's where you know most of my comfortability is. Um, I have grown in DWC before, um, but you know. I was successful with it. And then it was like, I just, you know, I just preferred soilless mixture more. So I kind of pivoted back and, and, and went back that way. Um, so there's still things that uh, I'm learning as, as uh, I go along. So, and I'll take everybody on that journey with us as we go. So, um, but I did want to kind of point that out, um, that it can be tricky, can be finicky. There's lots more points of failure. Um, you can actually, you know, lose a crop in, in hydroponics if something goes wrong, as opposed to a soilless mixture, which is a lot more forgiving, right? Um, gives you a chance to, you know, flush the plant and leave it for a few days, give it water only, then go ahead and start giving it nutrients again and, and, and kick it back into action. You don't get the same grace with hydroponic systems. But DWC is one of the easiest um, uh, and um, uh, preferred method of a lot of growers, but there are other kinds. Um, flood and drain is another popular one, right? Um, and that's basically just this just a table um usually like a stainless steel table that's filled up with the expanded clay pellets and um they plant you know usually four plants per table um they put the the rock wall cubes and they bury them directly in the expanded clay pellets and then there's a a nutrient solution reservoir that sits underneath the table and there's a pump they turn the pump on and the pump fills the table they flood the table hence the name flood um, then there's a, a leveler on it so it'll only fill so much and then all of the excess nutrient solution will leave the table and go back down into the reservoir and that system will circulate so every four hours the pump will turn on flood the table and then the pump shuts off the table drains hence the name flood and drain there's actually another term for that type of a system too it's called a ebb and flow um, but that's primarily, you know, the um, the way that system works. I, I, I've seen other people use it in their grows, and it can be a beautiful system. Um, one guy uh, I remember seeing, you know, when I seen his plants, he got basically about a quarter pound per plant. So he, he got about a pound uh, out of his table. But his 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 uh, his buds were so beautiful; they were so dense. Um, you know, just a real art. Uh, so, you know, um, very good things can happen uh, on those types of tables. And they're still relatively popular. Nice. So just just wanted to point those out. And, um, then, you know, there's one other main, there are other types of air, um, hydroponic systems, but the other one that's usually used for cannabis specifically is the uh, NFT system or the uh, nutrient film system. Um, it, the name sounds complicated, but it's really not a complicated system. It's just those types of systems that um, you they have PVC pipe with holes cut in the PVC pipe. Sometimes they use net pots to put them in the holes, and the nutrient solution feeds through the pipe. 
and it goes through the system. A lot of the times they build these little square wells and then they'll put the rock wall cubes in the wells and they'll put a nutrient uh, film or over the top. It's a barrier and it just keeps the light off of the cubes. And that's that's where the, the name nutrient film uh, technology comes from. But it's basically a recirculating hydroponic system. Um, the nutrient solution just goes all through the PVC or all through the wells and it goes through all the plants and then it dips back into the reservoir at the back end. Cool. Um, and, you know, and ultimately that's the only difference, right? Um, between, you know, hydroponics and soil is just one has uh, a soilless mixture and one doesn't. Um, a fun fact for you though, a lot of people don't realize this, but somebody that grows a plant in, um, in soilless mixture actually has a bigger root system than somebody that grows the same plant in a hydroponic system. Really? Yeah. I thought it would um, be the opposite. Yeah, you would think it would be the opposite, but um, but the, the fact is uh, the, um, the roots that grow through the um, soilless mixture actually get longer as they grow in, in, in search of water and nutrients. Um, they're more readily available in a deep water culture system or in a so hydroponic system. To, to grow. Lazy roots. They don't have to go far. They, they get whatever they want kind of brought right directly to them so they don't have to go and search. So, and when you, hear, when you think about it that way, it kind of makes perfect sense. Cool. Yeah. So, you know, hydroponics would be for the, you know, somebody that's already grown uh, in a soilless mixture. If you know what you're doing and look, Pachi, uh, I'll keep referring back to your last grow. Cause it was, it was, it was beautiful, you know? And, and in that case there, like you're not going to get any better in hydroponics versus what you got on your last grow. Um, so it, that's important to note, right? Um, years ago, people used to argue back and forth, you know, uh, soil hydro soil hydro but the fact of the matter is if you if you know your own system and you um you know create a system that is most beneficial for the plant to give it the most success it doesn't matter what that system is um, right. you're going to be you're going to be successful with it right so um but as long as you give it sort of the seven or eight things that it needs like um you know light photons um, nutrients airflow temperature co2 like all that kind of stuff as long as it has that it doesn't really matter i guess which method you use is that what you're saying yeah Okay. Exactly. You know, and I just kind of wanted to point that out because sometimes people think, well, okay, I've grown in, in soilless mixture a few times. I've done all right, but it's not kind of what I'm looking for for weight. You know, then they jump over to hydroponics and they try hydroponics and they have nothing but trouble. Because in, in actuality, they didn't master the craft of, of growing in soilless mixture first. They had other issues that they didn't address, and they brought those same issues to the next style of growing, which is even more difficult. And then they had those standard beginner problems with that, and then it felt like their worlds were, were falling apart. This is why okay. people sell equipment in the buy and sell. Here, I'm finished <laughs> with this. I just Somebody give me 400 bucks for my tent and my light and my fan and my carbon filter and the whole nine yards, right? You can almost read the frustration in the ad exactly they're finished with it because they should have just taken that nine hundred dollars and went and bought five ounces from their dealer you know <laughs> and they'd and they'd still be smoking you know yeah. instead of crying so i i get it right and that that's the purpose of us trying to you know do this in a form where um you know we just have a nice conversation and, and the, listen are... man if i didn't have somebody like you to go to for advice because when i ran into problems in my first grow and i thought three of my four plants were going to be tossed in the garbage um I could have, well, I couldn't have cried, but I, I, I was bothered. I was really bothered, you know. I, you know, put all that time and effort and, and work and break your back, and you're thinking, oh my god, and um, to have it all just fizzle out, and your mm -hmm. expectations are always so high. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, it can be a little bit stressful for sure, uh, especially your first grow. You want it, to, you want it to go really well, and uh, so I hope people listen and uh, they. Keep checking us out at planttherapy.live and check us out on our Facebook page, Plant Therapy Live. Um, and if we can pass on some experience on to you guys, um, myself, like I said, I'm a new grower 
and uh, I have a lot of mistakes to make yet, and I've made a fair amount already, but I learn, and uh, Ray, I really appreciate you helping me out and being a, a fantastic resource, and um, yeah, so anyway, I just wanted to jump in. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I did mention this to you before, maybe off air. Um, giving somebody information is one thing. Uh, what they do with the information is something completely different. And you obviously paid attention and, and you know, took some of that stuff and built off it and found some of your own stuff. And, you know, that's all you can ask for, right? I mean, um, it's... Well, I didn't want to do all that work because like, it's a lot of work. <laughs> I didn't, it is I didn't, a lot I, of work. I didn't want to do all that work and spend all that money and... Uh, all that time and effort to do 70% of what I could do, you know? Yeah. So I just wanted it to be the fucking best. And one here, one po topic I got to hit um, just before we kind of move on to the, to, to the next section, if you will. Um, so there isn't uh, people that grow with aeroponics. I just wanted to kind of touch on that. It's not hydroponics specifically, but aeroponics, right? And I, I've seen some of the systems. Um, some people can use them. Some people can't. Um, I think to me, it's just kind of a you know, it's very finicky. It's to me, it's more like a, a show off system, if you will, you know, let me see if I can do it here, but it, you're kind of showing off <laughs> using aerobonics. It's just, it can be very finicky. Um, I think the only practical application for me that I would ever use them in is if I was, um, you know, taking large amounts of clones. Usually, did you ever see those, um, those little bubbler cloner aeroponic things that they have? Uh, I've seen them just in videos. Um, yeah, I don't know really, really anything about them though. Yeah, it's got a little nutrient, uh, basically in a little tub, a little nutrient solution, and the pump pumps it into these little emitters and it sprays it out. Um, you know, it's a fancy system, but lots can go wrong with the little emitters underneath, can get clogged, um, it, so you can lose clones that way and stuff like that. But I just wanted to touch on that. You know, hey, if you're coming here to get advice on aeroponics, this is probably the wrong spot <laughs> um, for, for this type of a system. Um, you know, if, if, if that's the case, I suggest you get back into regular hydroponics or soilless mixture. Um, you know, if, if somebody was growing, you know, and had these amazing results and the system was easy to use well that's a different story but with aeroponics it's quite very very finicky and there's lots of variables and i would suggest um you know unless you're doing it for fun just kind of stay away from a system such as that uh then the other thing we wanted to touch on this week was dun, 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 pests right you we were talking at the end of last week Bache? friggin pests Yes, There's so that's that's kind of when we were having the little bit of a miscommunication on the aphids. Um, I put together a little bit of a list. I was uh, wanted to share though that there are over twenty different things that can attack a cannabis plant. Um, some of the things aren't really, uh, you know, common in our areas uh or in the east coast anyway of of north america there are some that are there are a few here that are quite um quite popular so i put together a list and i kind of wanted to go through them a little bit um just to kind of give some some information um there's lots of stuff on the internet on the weber webernets uh out there in the googles if you know how to use the googles um you know, but um, just wanted to touch on aphids because they're very popular, right? And a lot of the time, um, aphid larvae end up in some of these um, soilless mixtures, right? And then you plant your plants and then all of a sudden they start getting some warmth and some moisture and then uh, all of a sudden you got aphids. Uh, and sometimes it's nothing that you did. Sometimes it's just the way, you know, Mother Nature works and you can end up with an infestation um before you know it and it, i guess the number one point with all, a lot of this stuff is is you got to catch it as fast as possible because it's everything is easy when you catch it right away if you if you catch it when it's too late a lot of the time it's too late um and aphids you can lose a crop to aphids if you're uh, if you're not diligent uh, with it um you know a lot of the time with some of these things if you have the ability to to take your plants outside or if or if this is happening on outdoor plants uh, it could be a blessing because a lot of the time you can use like a, a high pressure water to kind of uh, destroy everything on the undersides of the leaves and that you know should generally be your starting point
right? Um, I always try to avoid any type of a chemical at all costs, right? You don't want to get into using chemicals unless it's a last resort uh, and you're, at, you know, at a, a chance at losing your crop. Um, so I would definitely go with high pressure water. Um, I would remove the really damaged leaves, seal them up and remove them from the grow room. And this neem oil, right? Neem oil is something, Pache, that you've seen kind of popping up in searches. I've seen it over the years, never used it until I just got a bottle. So just got a bottle so i'll be using that moving forward but um neem oil if you treat your plants uh, once a week in vegetative growth once a week with uh, neem oil water spray uh, you can prevent uh, aphids altogether um, if you do have aphids and you're spraying as a protective against uh, aphids you can use like a chili pepper water concoction with a couple of drops of dish soap and that was the key with aphids uh, anything that you're going to try to spray maybe that's or organic um, to try to destroy aphids you want to put a couple of drops of dish soap in there uh, that was basically the key but with anytime you're going to spray your plants you don't want to do this in midday sun or anything like that you want to do this like right before it gets dark um, because if you get into soaking your plants like that um, in the midday sun they can get burnt uh, so I just wanted to put that on everybody's radar to be careful. Um, mm, that, like the water magnifies the light, the light rays or something. Right. Okay. Okay, cool. You got to remember, um, I think that's what rained, happened to one of my plants. Yeah. When it rains outside, right. It's usually cloudy out. Right. Mm -hmm. So the plants aren't used to being, uh, you know, exposed to direct sunlight and heavy water like that. Right. So okay. it can re really cause the plant um, to burn. So just you want to be very careful. Um, you know, spider mites is another another big one. Um, here's the thing about spider mites. I did have spider mites a couple of times. And I'll be totally honest. If you're going to keep a plant, you know, if you're going to keep an old mother plant around for five months, six months, nine months or longer, that... Yeah. Every month you keep an old plant like that, you're increasing your chances of getting spider mites. And I want everybody to think about it that way. Um, that's why in this system that me and you talk about, Pache, the, the two-tent system, um, with two, two plants in one tent and two plants in the next tent, um, you know, you're always using young plants to flower, and you're always cutting new clones off that young plant. Uh, and no plant is around for any period more uh, than three months, right? So you're dramatically reducing any type of time for anything to, to have a chance to set in. The plants aren't around long enough. So just by running a quick system like that, you're avoiding your chances of getting spider mites altogether because they don't have a chance to get set in. Usually when people get spider mites, it's that old mother that they build a little chamber for or a little, you know, a, a little box over there and they tuck her away and they put her under a fluorescent light and, you know, they cut clones from her every time they need her, but they don't pay close attention. One day they go in and then she, they, she has webbing all over her leaves, right? And usually when you notice webbing like that, it's usually there's a very low chance of success from that point moving forward because the infest, infestation is just so bad that um you know and you you may think you got it but i challenge you this if you if you if you see um webbing all over your plants and you use like a shop vac and suck all the webbing up and do whatever you're going to do i challenge you this when you when you harvest your your plants i want you to take a little microscope and look at one of your nugs oh. and, and you tell and then you tell me if you're going to smoke that and i'll just i'll leave oh. that just i'll leave that decision to you um, you know, uh -huh. so, That's but again, good at all. young plants, right? Young plants, you're never going to get spider mites because they don't have a chance to set in. Then fungus gnats, right? Um, these things here live in the earth, right? You're buying this stuff, um, the, this Fox Farm stuff and this VPW 30, all this other stuff. It's all coming from factories where they're putting this stuff together. Uh, and it's exposed to mother nature, you know, as they get this stuff and mix it, mix it together. And this is just an example of it, right? So, um, what worked best for you, I guess, was the, the diatomaceous earth. Yeah. Well, and, I, I and the it's... sticky pads. Uh, yeah, the sticky pads I always have, and I always have a stack of them on hand because my wife has a lot of plants in the house, so we always have them. And 
And so, yeah, I that was my first line of defense. You know, I always had the sticky pads up no matter what. Um, and then it, they were filling up so fast. And I was thinking, whoa, this is, this is crazy. I've never seen <laughs> anything like this in my two other grows. Um, and so I heard about the diatomaceous earth. I had already purchased it as another weapon in the arsenal, if you will, another tool in the bag. Yep. And, um, so I, the combination of the diatomaceous earth and the test stri- or the pest strips seem to be doing the job. You know, it's uh, it's been a week for this combination. And plus I'm also in there quite often. So I'm in there, you know, three or four times every day. Um, and I'm getting right down in, I'm checking underneath the, um, underneath the leaves and, uh, making sure that nothing is around. And when I see, um, any of these fungus gnats, either on the wall of the tent or whatever, I, uh, I make sure I use a sticky strip and I get them all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was really labor intensive for the first few days. You know, I was at it quite a bit. Um, but now it, you know, I'd say it's, 80% less than what it was last week. Okay. You know, and so keep us posted uh, on that because uh, one thing we want to do is have answers to problems, right? And uh, knowing knowing the equation to to solve something, uh, you know, is something that we're going to want to share with everybody as, as we progress. So uh, certainly update it, just like I'll keep everybody updated on the powdery mildew uh, that I've been fighting. Um, one other thing too, white flies. Um, I haven't dealt with those too much myself, but they're kind of the same under the same thing as fungus gnats, right? Um, you know, neem oil will protect against them, um, them sticky traps as well. Um, then I've seen these a lot outdoors on a lot of outdoor plants. There's those little barnacles at the base. Um, they're little scale insects, and you generally see those on outdoor uh, plants. And those things are t- like tiny little turtles is what they look like right and they'll they'll suck on to the base of the plant and they'll start to rob nutrients um and they can kind of the the plant sometimes will even put a little shield over it right and it'll grow into the plant did you ever see them no it's like they have this armor on them they're crazy looking tiny little things so anyway um you know just want to put those on everybody's radar because uh what was that called they're called um, barnacles or scale insects is what they're called. Barnacle or scale insects. Um, and they sit right at the base of your plant. And sometimes they move up the plant as well. So, oh, wow. Yeah, I have seen them. It hasn't been a, a really big thing. One thing that's not on the, like, the internet list is these corn borers. I don't know if you've heard about these. I know these nope. have been lighting up Nova Scotia over the last few years. Um, the corn borer gets into the stock and it like destroys the plant from the inside people have to like take wire and like fish the wire down into the hole and like stab and jab to kill these little things to have a chance at saving their plant so more to come on those i don't know what the solution is to be honest with you well and that's the thing we uh you know we run into an issue then we research it and we try to figure it out um but there's so many things that can go wrong. Um, mm-hmm. You don't research everything until it happens to you. Yep. Um, so another thing I dealt with outdoors was deer <laughs> and rabbits. Uh, they can, you know, um, if you put small plants out in small pots, um, you know, in a wooded area that you have rabbits around, there's a very good chance the rabbits are just going to demolish your plants before they even have a chance. They'll just jump up on the pot and they'll just eat the entire plant and there'll be nothing but a stem left uh, when you go to check on them. Yeah, so um, generally generally speaking, you want to kind of have your pot in pots tall or elevated up off the ground for a little while so that's not an option for the little buggers because they will demolish you. Um, Another thing with deer, like deer won't go out and hunt you know your crop they won't smell it from a mile away and then then hunt you down and eat your flowers mm-hmm. but if they do stumble upon them they will they will try them and if they try them look out that's it they'll demolish your entire crop that's so, what happened to me man back when i was yep. a teenager i tried it and thought whoa i'd like some more of this <laughs> listen <laughs> I've dealt with uh, with deer, and the only way to get rid of them was to put fencing, fencing up. I'm serious. Like it was, 
yeah, I, I, tr I tried everything, but um, they're they're really really nasty. Uh, and then outdoors, and th everybody on the east coast will know what I'm saying when I say this is them slugs. Oh boy, let me tell you, as soon as it starts raining, the slugs come out of everywhere, and they just love cannabis. They'll come from a mile away to your cannabis plant. Um, but there's one thing that um, that slugs love a little bit more than cannabis, and that's beer. Really? And that's Yeah, that's what really worked for me. Uh, at the base of each plant, open up a beer can and put a beer can at the base of each plant. And when that snail gets to the base of the plant, it'll climb up into the beer can and down into the beer and it'll die. Yeah, but I don't know, man. That could, that could backfire because you show up the next morning and you've got 18 Cape Bretoners all huddled around the beer can. <laughs> you're going to attract more than what you might bargain for oh nice <laughs> you see you you need to be on that man yeah I tried I tried <laughs> well you weren't expecting me to drop the humor ball no that's right and I'm finishing <laughs> the, the rest of this little puff that I had from earlier here um, your stuff actually woo yeah yeah some so. good old white widow absolutely um, then the other things, you know, so there, there's two things left on my list here and it uh, looks like we got about eight minutes left. So, um, perfect opportunity to kind of touch on these two topics. Um, so white powdery mildew, right? You know, that's something that's very common. I have a little bit of it myself right now. I've had it over the years. Um, you know, what works preventatively for white powdery mildew is um, some milk and water. And I know that sounds weird, but if you mix like 50-50 milk and water and spray your plants once a week during vegetative growth, um, mm. the, milk, the milk actually has a enzyme in it which causes the cannabis leaf to develop a antiseptic or something to, uh, to powdery mildew. So it, it develops like a, uh, you know, a like a line defense. Of defense? A line of defense against it so that's something you want to really consider because sometimes it's better to, to deal with something preventatively especially when it comes to um, mold or bud rot or or powdery mildew because the, these ones can be nasty and they can directly like affect your flowers right so it's something that uh, you really want to incorporate something preventatively so you never have to deal with these problems right um, and, you know, and indoors, uh, having really high airflow, um, if, if, a, if, a, if a fan leaf is constantly moving in the wind, a, a powdery mildew spore can't settle on the leaf surface. So that's something to consider. Um, you know, it's very, very difficult for the powdery mildew to set in because it can't land on the leaf surface because it's in a constant state of motion. Um, so that should be something when you're planning your airflow for your tent that you're taking into consideration and building up your airflow as your plants get bigger to make sure that everything is jiggling and moving. Uh, it'll encourage your stems to get uh, to get thicker big and, and strong uh, and big and strong. So it'll support more weight uh, as you get into week six, seven and eight of flowering. Hopefully you're going to need that extra uh, oomph in in the stems to hold those nugs up. So. Um, so powdery mildew, you know, uh, the other thing you can try, uh, preventatively is, uh, um, apple cider vinegar and water, um, once a week that can help as well. Uh, and then root rot, right? Usually if, if you get root rot in a soilless mixture, it's because you're overwatering and you're not giving your, your, your medium a chance to dry, to dry out. Uh, so that's something that is not going to fix itself or anything until you fix your system for actually, uh, for, for, for watering and drying. So that's and something you want to root rot's got to be kind of hard to identify for a, a new grower because you can't see the roots. Right. So definitely you, it, a lot of the times you wouldn't notice it until you went to transplant your plant. Ah, right, right. And you were saying something that uh, that's pretty interesting. You know, at the end of your grow, you know, take the time to sort of uh, analyze your soil a little bit. Like I remember after my first grow, I peeled back the fabric pots and you saw the amount of, uh, of salt that had yeah. built up. You were like, oh my God, I've never seen that much before in my life. Like how did your plants mm -hmm. even survive kind of thing? Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, definitely something that uh, that's not going to hurt. Uh, that's why I, I don't ever dump water out from one of my one of my DWC buckets without testing it first. Right. Mm. I always test it before I dump it out because I want to know what happened over the last over the last feeding cycle. Right. Did I get the PPM right? You know, did it need more water than nutrients or, or vice versa? What were the and kids up the, to while I was gone? What were the kids up to? Did they eat their supper <laughs> or did they only drink? <laughs> That's right. Did they only drink junk food? Now they're sick. Too funny. But, uh, you know, and then root rot for DWC, you know, there's some tricks that you can really use um, for, and root rot is more common in hydroponics. I, I do want to say that, hmm. um, you know, it's, uh, so you wouldn't have to worry too, too much about this one, uh, Pache, but in my case, I, you know, it's something that I worry about. Um, one of the things preventatively that I did for, uh, avoiding root rot in DWC is I have, uh, two air stones, two large four inch air stones in each pot with connected to two separate pumps like like i've talked about in other episodes so i have a massive amount of air going into my water um and that alone will cause uh, not a great environment for root rot to set in number one um the other is water temperature right the lower the temperature of water you can keep in a in a hydroponic system the more dissolved oxygen it'll actually hold um, which is a good thing. But if you start getting water, you know, that's hitting 74 degrees Fahrenheit or more, 72 degrees Fahrenheit or more, you're, you're increasing your chances of having, um, uh, root rot set in. Um, so I just want to kind of bring up a few of those points. Um, but you can use beneficial bacteria as well, right? Um, in the U.S., they use HydroGuard, and it's it's readily available. Um, and if you use HydroGuard, you can pretty much avoid root rot altogether. It's pretty much a fact um, for people that that use it. They can let their water temperatures get to 80 degrees Fahrenheit sometimes, and they don't get root rot just using HydroGuard. But you can't get it in Canada. Um, so, Pache, you're going to have to help me with the Diablo Nutrients one. What's it called? That uh, black one? The black. I think it's just called uh, Monster Max. Oh, the one that I got, the recent one? Yeah, Monster Max. Is yeah, Monster Max called? is uh, the root developer. So Right. So th that one there is something that you can use that's quite similar to um, to HydroGuard in the U.S. is that one. Okay. Uh, I, I just want to put that on everybody's radar. That's beneficial bacteria. So what that'll do is it, it basically uh, creates you know a symbiotic relationship with your roots. Uh, and it'll f help fend off any other um, bacteria that's trying to set in. It'll basically eat it as food and help you with uh, with roots. So I can't believe we touched all the topics for today. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty amazing, actually. Eh? Wow. So, you know, th th that's fantastic. So the whole goal, right? I mean, we've been talking kind of offline here, right? We just want to get, um, you know, we've done, we've done uh, our introduction. We've done lights and we've done tents uh now we've talked about kind of soilless mixtures hydroponics uh we've talked about pests you know now we're going to come up with a few other topics that we're going to touch on just to kind of get a database together here right and one more thing before we sign off on on this um episode is i want to touch on something that i just ordered and i just received and that was uh, liquid molasses and so i've been seeing online where people have been using this um, for the flowering part of their grow and you're very familiar with it Ray but I've never used molasses before um, and so I, I Diablo line the lineup has a liquid molasses option and so I, I just ordered that just arrived and I'll be introducing that into the flowering part this uh, this grow and so I just went to 420expertguide.com and so like what does molasses do for the cannabis plant so i'd like to just read a, a little bit if you don't mind no go right ahead so molasses helps your cannabis plants grow bigger buds by enriching the soil um, the soil breaks down uh, breaks the sugar down to carbohydrates which feeds uh, beneficial microbes in the soil and the soil microbes then produce co2 
that's used to make the plants grow big and strong, of course. And um, sometimes I will also include CO2 into the air environment of my tent. Um, and so that will really help the plants uh, grow bigger buds, bigger yields, and better quality. Um, so back to 420expertguide.com. Uh, we know plants grow better when there's a rich colony of beneficial bacteria known as rhizobacteria in the soil. And one study uh, out of Colorado State um, said it led to approximately 16.5% larger yield. Um, so I'm going to give that a shot. I figure, you know, if, if you do little tiny things, like if I train my plant this way and I'm going to get an extra 10% yield and I add molasses and I'm going to get an extra 10% yield and I, you know, do this and I get an extra 10% yield, well, hopefully that's going to translate into a really nice uh, end product for you. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, I have tried it. We'll, we'll keep my opinions of this kind of off on the side here until we get deeper into this. I, I do want to talk about CO2 uh, as well, so we'll come up with uh, a, a plan for next week's episode that might include some of these topics. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll get into that moving forward. But it looks like we are out of time. That went fast. Absolutely. Okay, well, so we'll get to work on next week's uh, episode, and I want to take a moment and thank anybody that may be listening live and anybody that may be listening uh, in the future this week. Um, once again, my name is Ray. And I'm Pache. And you can visit us at uh, www.planttherapy.live, and we will see you next Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.